I don't want to talk about that. I'm more more issues to be talking about than that. The tongue was still still dark at the start, but it got brighter and brighter nearly every day. I'm mine for six months because this is our season. I think that's rough. Come up to the gutter to get where I am. I'm delighted to be here, but it's been earned. It's, but that's a, for sure. it's a great honour. It's kind of surreal, really. The whole thing has okay, been. Okay, you've won them all, and that's pretty mental. What people in social media have done is disgusting. This is Sports Beat Extra. Coming up on this week's show, we'll be touching on everything from Waterford's Davy Fitzgerald to Ireland's historic series win in New Zealand. But first, the man who's turned Wexford FC into genuine playoff contenders and got Ferry Carrick Park singing. I'm Sean Connolly, and you are very welcome to Sports Beat Extra. Sports Beat with John Kennedy Motors, Cashel Road, Clonmel. You'll never take a wrong turn with Toyota. View our full range of cars at johnkennedymotors.ie. I'm very pleased to be joined by the manager of Wexford FC, Mr. Ian Ryan. How are you doing on this extremely warm Saturday, sir? Uh, yeah, I'm good, yeah. Um, good. A little disappointed after last night, but uh, we'll get over it. Two all draw with Cove. What were your takeaways from the game? Uh, probably just wasn't that night. Um, I don't think we performed well, really, to where we have done the last couple of weeks. Um, in saying that, you know, the game is changes probably in the first half when we, we have a lot of chances and we, we don't score them. And then uh, we start the second half really badly and uh, concede a really bad goal and then uh, get ourselves back in it and then concede an even worse one after that. So, um, yeah, disappointing. But, you know, again, we have a bit of fight that we get back and we get the points and dust ourselves down and move on. Well, that's it. I mean, and I suppose as frustrating as it would have been, it would have been even more frustrating if you came away empty-handed. At least there is a point there and there's something taken from a night that could have gone better. In total, it's only one defeat in 10 league games at this time of the season. I mean, that's powerful form for Wexford. As many people standing up in admiration for what's going on, the players must be geared up for the run-in, even though they're probably disappointed after last night. Yeah, listen, just now I'm taking nothing away from the players. They've been absolutely brilliant and there. And we're on we're on a brilliant run, but uh, yeah, it just feels a bit like uh, we we missed an opportunity there last night. You know, that's no disrespect to Cove or anything like that. It's just uh, you know the momentum that we have and so on like that. We, we needed to perform better, and uh, we didn't. But listen, it's a warm night, and you know you can you can take bits and pieces of it like that. But as you said, there you you take pride then in in the run that we're on and. The fact that you know it wasn't our night, but yeah, we still took up the points. Yeah, yeah, and I suppose look, it was a strange night overall. I mean, there was a lot of fixtures going on through both divisions, but there was a lot of strange results. And I suppose Treaty United getting that result in Cork City wasn't really in the script. It was a night that saw the gap shift to four points in the playoffs. Twenty first of October is the final day of the season, and you actually make the trip to Treaty. It's looking like that is really turning into a winner takes all affair the way it's going. Yeah, well, listen, we, we hope to get to that point. And, uh, you know, if you're, if someone offers me that now, that it, it's a winner-take-all in the last game against Trinity, I'll, I'll take that. Um, but we've seen last night we're into the final series now and there's going to be lots of twists and turns on the way. And we just have to make sure that we look after ourselves and we start next week a really tough one up in, up in Longford. So, uh, you know, we're on a fine run of form and uh, we need to continue that into the last phase. Well, that's it. And momentum is obviously huge. You know that yourself better than anybody. And it just takes one night and a good result in Longford can shift things and can shift momentum back again. I mean, there is nothing to be taken away from the run. The run is tremendous. And games are, are won and ebbs and flows. And last night, as you said, there was lots of opportunities that on another night would have gone in. But 
moving from that ever so slightly, I mean, there's much more to be, I suppose, joyful and, and hopeful about at the moment with the FA Cup and a brilliant day out had in Sligo in the first round. Even more so considering their, their recent European exploits. I mean, it was a tremendous night had, wasn't it? Yeah, it was brilliant. Really good. And uh, I've had a, a brilliant day for the club and, you know, uh, a bit of spotlight and exposure for the club and on, the, on the national stage, if you want to call it. And, uh, yeah, really good. And the players were fantastic and they deserved that day out and so on like that. And, uh, but as much as that uh, was brilliant, we, we don't want it just to define what we did or for the year or so on. We want bigger days. We want more days like that. We want celebrations like that after the game. And, uh, you know, come in a couple of months' time, we want to have more nights like that. And hopefully when uh, when the dark come in a couple of weeks' time, we can put it right up to them. And, uh, you know, who knows, we might do it again. Absolutely, and it, I mean, that's what I was going to move to. It, it doesn't get much bigger. I mean, second place in the Premier League on, on, on the tail of, of Rovers. I mean, it's about as good a tie as you could have got for the second round. I mean, there's going to be massive expectation around that, and massive excitement in, in Ferry Carrigan around the area for it. Yeah, I probably would have preferred a different draw, but we'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, listen, it will be a great day, great occasion. Hopefully there's a big crowd to come out and so on like that, but... Uh, you know, as as a group of staff and players, not you know we'll enjoy the moment and the occasion, but we'll be definitely there to compete and try win the game. I want to focus on the league as a whole now, if you don't mind. But the past few weeks, yeah. they've seen some unbelievable Euro- European outings for, for Irish sides, haven't they? I mean, Sligo were unfortunate against Viking in the first leg. I know that really didn't go to plan, but they they got one back in the second leg and obviously had that tremendous outing against Motherwell. It's been fantastic to watch, hasn't it? Yeah, brilliant, and and it's great for the league as a whole. And you know, uh, everybody knows everyone within the league, and you know, it's great to see pals and friends doing, doing well and uh, on a bigger stage like that. And, you know, the league gets knocked sometimes, but the quality is, is there. It's probably you know the the optics and everything else that goes with it uh, that we need to improve. But uh, as a footballing aspect, we can we can uh, compete on on all levels really. And, you can see that with Sam Crowers getting in the group stages now and, you know, having a crack at the Europa League as well. Yeah, they I mean they essentially have a free shot against Ferenc Veros, don't they? I mean it's it's a straight shootout and I mean a consolation prize is guaranteed group stage football in the Europa Conference League, seen them late into the year. The addition of that European trophy makes it fantastic, especially for the local sides here to have that sort of cherry that they can chase, to have that European dream throughout a calendar year. It's amazing, as well as the as, as well as the financial windfall that's going to come from it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I think the, the Conference League just makes it more realistic now um, for for our clubs to, to get there. And the the real bonus that that Rovers had is is that. Um, Winning that first tie, whether whether in the Champions League and getting through that, allows them, you know, certain fallbacks and they've capitalised on that really well and probably have built towards that over the last number of years. And hopefully, that will be a consistent thing with them. They're a fantastic club, but you know, Sligo and Pat gave it a right good go as well. And you know, that's what other clubs want to aspire to and want to get to all the time. Well, that's it. And obviously, someone yourself, you started out on the books at Shamrock Rovers at a very young age. I was just curious about something. How did it feel seeing uh, Pats going into Tala Stadium and playing in Tala Stadium as the home side? Yeah, strange, but probably something that's the norm now, isn't it? Um, you know, Dundalk had to do it a couple of years ago as well. 
that probably highlights the broader issue of, of what I was trying to get at there earlier about the optics and everything that goes with the league. And, you know, that's one area that is a real downfall for us is the facilities and, you know, for St. Pat's to uh, have to shift from the home ground to uh, play a European tie, albeit up the road, is, uh, you know, kind of highlights the issue. And uh, I know there was extreme work behind the scenes for Sligo to get their game played uh, in Sligo too and talking and moving so I think they're the bigger areas and the broader area and probably more long term for the league to improve that uh, you know each club or or even a shared facility uh, we have um, some top class facilities and so on and I think that's probably why you know part of the reason Shamrock Rowers have have done really well because probably um you know, a lasting point from the last time they hit the group stage, which was they they uh, moved into Roadstone. And, you know, they have uh, their own base, a fantastic academy up there, and training ground, and so on like that. So, uh, from me personally, I think if, if any of our clubs are to do anything in Europe and get that financial reward that, that you get from it, I think uh, you invest in, in your facilities and your training ground and, and you reap the rewards long term. Here, here. That's a perfect note to leave it on. Look, great talking to you. The very, very best of luck uh, up next against Longford. We'll be watching on with a keen eye. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Brilliant, Sean. Thanks a million. Sports Beat with John Kennedy Motors, Cashel Road, Clonmel. You'll never take a wrong turn with Toyota. View our full range of cars at johnkennedymotors.ie. I'm very pleased to be joined by the head of sport from our sister station, Mr. Nigel Kelly. How are you, Nigel? Not too bad at all, Sean. Yeah, yourself? Good, good. Can't complain. So, given your background and the fact that you are a proud Waterford man, I mm-hmm. don't think there's anywhere else we can start, but Mr. Davy Fitzgerald ratified as Waterford senior hurling manager for two years with the option of a third. Thoughts on this on the ground? Uh, I think it depends who you ask, really, in a lot of ways. Like, uh, there's a lot of people upset about it. There's a lot of people who would support anybody uh, that was managing the Waterford hurlers. And then there's some people who are quite happy about it. And I think any opinion is really valid for the time being, at least, until yeah. you start seeing results. That That's what's going to say when people are right or wrong in terms of their views, you know. And, and even then, they can still hold them. You know, like, you can be staring facts in the face and, 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 and still hold a, a contrary argument, can't you? But, like, you know, I suppose the, the immediate argument against Davy is that, oh, it's a backward step. Well, it worked out for Liam Sheedy, you know. So that, that argument can be, can be squashed, maybe, in, yeah. so, in some way. Um, you know, in terms of a style of play, like people are, are maybe hampering on it a little bit too much because, you know, every modern day manager does realise they need to work with what players they have at hand, I suppose. And, and I don't think Davy's going to be too blind to that. He's not going to come in with a set playbook. And I think with Davy, it's almost like the Mourinho effect. I mean, there's maybe an anticipation that he could arrive and bring some form of success within maybe one or two years before he tears the place asunder. I mean, that's that's not my opinion. That's the opinion on the ground. Yeah. I think when you look at Waterford last year, Liam did a, a fantastic job, mm-hmm. got them up and running and gearing for the league and they were out of the blocks like no one's business. But I think then it really showed ample when it hit the championship that they were maybe burned out in the yeah. league after the efforts that they had put through. Mm-hmm. Now, with Davy coming on board, we've got a guy who I believe it is his 16th season. Yeah. He is in continuous managerial or coaching roles. Now, that's yeah. some going. That's yeah. some going for a man. And Say what you will about him, his longevity in the game has been absolutely outstanding. Now, obviously, returning to the job that he left in 2011, he had success at Waterford previously. Yeah. Obviously, guided him to an All-Ireland final. Yeah. So, I know that there's going to be some people slightly disgruntled because, as you said, they feel like it is maybe a backward step. But it has to be 
sort of assessed as a whole. I mean, there was a plan with Liam Calder. Liam mm-hmm. was gone. Yeah. So now we have a new dawn. Waterford has got a section of players that are maybe generational talents in Waterford at this particular time. Mm-hmm. Well, look, I, I think a lot of people would say that, uh, you know, some of this bunch maybe have underachieved. And I think that's probably a fair point considering mm-hmm. you look at the talent you have. And I don't doubt Davy has looked at that squad as any other manager who was considered for the job or even those who weren't would look at that squad and say, yeah, I could get an All-Ireland out of those lads. You know, and, and yeah. why wouldn't you? You have the talent there to do it. And I think it's very important to kind of consider the fact that this team are, are they, they are not a work in progress. It is not a starting from scratch project. This is a finish off the job type project. You know, the work has been done, I suppose, with a lot of these players. And it is just to put the final polishing touches on them. And like the likes of Davy, as you point out, like, yeah, you, you, you expect him to come in, have a massive impact. And then you'd be worried about what comes after that, right? But we might get to that in a second. But you would hope that that impact does carry it to Croke Park and possibly to Lee McCarthy because, like, first of all, he's done it before. Yeah, did it with his own county, did it with Clare, and yeah, needed a bit of Shane O'Donnell magic in the first half of the game to blow the doors off Cork and all that goes with that. But in saying all that, like, Davey is a guy that you would rate as being able to come in, have an immediate impact, and actually put these players towards where they need to be. And look, there was a bit of there was a bit of to and fro and kind of internal arguments last year as well. And I don't think Davey would stand for a whole lot of that either. You know, he probably is a one-man committee in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, and it would be interesting to see who puts together in, in a backroom team because yes. a lot of chat about what Waterford lads will be involved. I don't think we'll see too many. We might see one. And it may well just be Tony Brown who's continuing on from last year because he's already a selector there in Liam Cahill's last year. It was Tony's first year. He may stay on. But other than that, you might see a pretty strong player contingent coming in because Davey likes that team that he works with. And that may well continue on. And look, I think the target has to be the All-Ireland ultimately as it has been for Waterford forever and a day mm. you'd come in and that is your goal like yeah maybe, maybe win a monster title that'd be good too um, it's as good as anyone has managed isn't it you know so getting beyond so. that is the target I suppose so and what we could say about a selecting panel the one thing you will say is Saoirse Bolfin will not be there because he's obviously been ratified as Meade's new boss yeah. so that's a that's a huge thing because this is his his right arm, his yeah. trusted man. So certainly very interesting. And I suppose at the very, very least, when you're looking at the, I suppose you're looking ahead to the Munster Championship, Definitely. Tipperary and Waterford are going to be very, very interesting. Oh, it's going to be brilliant. It's going it, to be fantastic. It, yeah, it really will be. Yeah, very much looking forward to it, considering the year we had as well, because look, it was it was a bad year mm-hmm. and it was not what anybody expected. And to end in that dramatic fashion, like you, you need a recovery big time next year. You yeah. surely do. Now, I'm going to touch on something that is maybe your bread and butter. <laughs> oh, you like your gab, but your rugby is really where it's at, isn't it? An amazing series for Ireland to go over to New Zealand and complete what they did. It it really is, and like oh, Jesus, people think you get up on your high horse about it, or you're, you're you're getting too in the weeds. But like, it's an historic moment for our sport, let alone Irish rugby. Like, what is it? 112, 116 years we ended up beating the All Blacks. We 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 rarely came within an ass's roar of 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 drawn with him, mm. and then we we obviously get the job done in Chicago. And then how many times have we beat them in the last number of years? And it's, it is not a team that we are afraid of any longer. Like, I never thought, like, obviously until Chicago and then, you know, the, the second win over them, I never thought in my lifetime that we'd be a team that were able to contend with New Zealand, let alone beat them on a regular basis. We've started a trend now, unfortunately, that New Zealand are now rated as not a good rugby team. <laughs> like, this is where we are right now. It's horrific. Listen to some of the pundits from Sky Sports New Zealand the last couple of days and, like, you, you always played in a New Zealand team that maybe weren't, they didn't have a good performance in that week. But I, I've never known a bad New Zealand team. This is not, a, this is a bad New Zealand team. They are not good right now. They are utterly rattled. The coach, Ian Foster, has had a terrible start to his tenure. Let's face facts. 
like a first series loss in a long, 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 long time. Basically, as long as I'm alive. Uh, like France did them 2-0 in uh, 1994, but that was a two-game series. It, it wasn't a three-game decider. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, to see where they've fallen to is is really, really worrying. And it does show you the importance of coaching too because people got, you know, thought Steve Hansen was a grumpy old git and he was boring. And he was effective, wasn't he? He won in games. And if they lost one, you'd be damn sure they won the next three, no matter what. But to see where New Zealand have fallen to is, is very worrying. Um, like, you have to think that Joe Schmidt is waiting in the wings. I was talking to someone during the week uh, who, who will be well informed on, on the on the Irish rugby scene and, and would have ties maybe to, to Joe Schmidt from his time in Ireland. And like, yeah, he's, he's, his role is increasing all the time, basically, at the moment. And I know people are looking at Scott Robertson to come in, but the best understanding I have, Scott Robertson's not the kind of guy that they want to charge New Zealand. He's a bit of a maverick and he treats his teams as such and they want a reliable bet, you know, and... Like it doesn't really get a whole lot more reliable than Joe Schmidt. End of Ireland days aside, like he was fantastic in the days of Ireland. And again, he is a one-man committee. He, he decides everything. He is. And, and with that, with what you said about the, the roles increasing, mm-hmm. I wonder how much results even matter in the championship. I wonder, is a decision already made? Possibly. It could well be. Um, I'd, I'd see that, that probably a side that would, you know, it's a, it's a stick or twist decision for them. And if they decided they probably would have boot, they would have booted him already. I don't know what they'd even hang around and play the games out. Um, maybe not. I don't. I don't really know. But like Joe Schmidt is definitely there to take him to the World Cup. I think. Exactly. Uh, I think a lot of politics play into this, though. I think a lot of politics. If they go off and they lose that first series to Ireland, and then yeah. immediately turn on it and say, "Right, that's it, gone, change mm. Schmidt," it's a massive, massive statement. I suppose yeah. in sticking with the manager, it's maybe just saying. Yeah, it's not a big deal. You know, Ireland, we're just a better yeah. team on the day. We're not in the position where people think we really are at this moment in time. Yeah. Well, like, if you if you pick your guy, right, you pick your manager. Uh, let, let, let's equate it to Waterford and Davy Fitz. The Waterford County Board have picked Davy Fitz. And Davy has two or three bad games. Two bad games, let's say, because context of how many games you have. Two bad games and they fire Davy straight away. Well, that's Waterford County Board have made a bad decision. Not Davy Fitz. Correct. Likewise for for New Zealand. You know, if they, if they go too quick on Ian Foster then it was their fault and then the board is questioned and yeah. should they be in their position or not? Yeah. So if you leave Ian Foster enough rope to, to put around his own neck, Precisely. Then, then it's Ian Foster's baby and it's his fault. So this is where I'm bringing this whole, maybe the, maybe the decision is already made. Possibly. And those yeah. results may yeah, not matter. Yeah. He might be able to, it could be a situation of, look, you've had ample opportunity to be able to prove yourself it has not come to fruition. Possibly, yeah. Or you go out with your head held high. Yeah. Like, I know there was an editorial on the front page of, oh, what New Zealand paper was it? Was it The Guardian or The Express? They have similar names of papers to England. Um, and one of the papers that would be very much kind of always in line with what the All Blacks are doing. Like, they could say whatever they want and that specific paper, the name is away from me at the moment, but they'll always kind of agree. They'll toe the company line for the All Blacks more often than not. And they had a front page editorial, front page of the paper, not the back page cover, but the front page, basically saying, Ian Foster must go. Yeah. This man is not able get rid of him. Like it's a massive move. Like rugby turned the needle in New Zealand more than basically anything else. Religion. It is, totally. And uh, anything but winning and anything but beating everybody else is not good enough. And that's how they see themselves, you know. But they're, like it's, it's as you said yourself, they're in uncharted waters right now. Yeah. They're, they're not oh, accustomed yeah. to this. And, no. and I mean, 
we're looking at sort of trying to forecast how the, 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 the politics and the decisions that have been made in the background are going to affect a team and going forward. I mean, I wonder, was there ever this sort of contingency plan in place there? Because they've, I don't think they ever thought, would, would, would the well ever run dry? Because it, it certainly didn't look from the offset that it was going to happen. The odd no. blip here and there, but uh, we'll be back. Yeah. I think this is um, a dangerous, dangerous period for them. Now, saying that, they'll probably go to the World Cup and just tear us under and just and just leave us all underneath the tables. But you know, the last thing on it is that, yeah, you say, look, it's worrying for New Zealand rugby and it's a bad state of affairs. It is great crack all the same because like, everybody else has had enough time of being puffed by them week in, week out, tournament in, tournament out. To see them, you know, worried, sweating, squirming, it, it is pretty good, let's face facts. And, oh, yeah. Like, we should not be feeling sorry for them at all. Everybody has gone through this. Lads, now see your taste of it. Sorry, it's sour, but get used to it. It'll end eventually, don't worry. Precisely, precisely. Yeah. And, and yeah. now it's up to them to respond, to yeah. react to this. Totally, yeah. We'll just finish up there on the uh, Heineken Champions Cup. Sure, yeah. Some nice fixtures there. Leinster, obviously, uh, opening day, travelling to Racing 92. Mm. How do you feel about that one? I suppose after, not not the year they would have wanted for Leinster, I suppose, last year. like All that they'd probably accept is a win and... Like a bit of a turnaround, I suppose, in their in their coaching team as well this year. Obviously, losing Felipe Contempomi back to back to Argentina and Dennis Leamy making his way back to Munster, so a little bit of change there. Um, like it's hard to see the Leinster production line ever slowing down in in a lot of ways because you know the schools aren't closing down, the kids want to keep playing rugby, and then they want to play in Leinster. It's going to keep going that way for as long as we as long, as long as we can imagine. And look, we've just said that about New Zealand, so let you never know, you, you never know. But hard to see anything changing there. Like Leinster, I suppose their targets for the year really are just go do the double every year. They want to win what is now what's it called anymore? Even the URC nowadays, isn't it? Um, the I can't believe it's the yeah, not yeah, URC. Yeah. <laughs> the, 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 the the Rabo Pro, uh, the Rabo Pro Twelve or the Magnus League in my mind still, but like yeah, to to go out and basically dominate all those games and to play all the young fellas along the way. But then when it comes to Europe, the games like Racing and Gloucester to be able to go out and to put your training ground practice in, into effect. And look, they are going to be doing this with. A 37-year-old fly half for most of the games who we are hopefully going to wrap up in cotton wool before the World Cup next year. Like, Racing are one of the French teams and they're, they're few and far between, obviously. La Rochelle is in that group and maybe Toulouse who Munster are going to play. They're the only French teams that really care about Europe. Everything for them is winning the top 14. That's where it's at. You know, you want to win your domestic league in France but there are some teams like Racing who do care about Europe. So there's always a challenge in that too. Um, like going to La Défense is not an easy experience it's a tough stadium to go to real tight hot sweaty environment and you know they love putting on a show for their home partisan fans partisan crowd as well like yeah, totally, yeah totally. absolutely oh, like, could not get worse everyone is against you even your own fans who are travelling are kind of partisan <laughs> against you I'd say <laughs> so like they have, they have a massive challenge in their opening game but at least they come back then to the RDS or the Aviva if it's been played there I'm not sure and Gloucester um, yeah you would think it's, a, it's, it's an easier fixture but nonetheless there, there's not really any such thing as an easy fixture in Europe. And you saw that last year and the year before, obviously, in, in the COVID times. That's you know, it. There is That's surprises it. everywhere. How about Munster then? What are we thinking? Um, <sighs> Consider what happened last time at Toulouse. Mm. Like, if that hadn't happened, I would have uh, I would have went to Toulouse from the off, I think. But considering what you saw, the bulk of this squad happening against Toulouse last year, and like, me and you were watching it in the office at the time when we came to, to Absolutely. Pen, to pen to Absolutely. Remember that day? Um, I'll never forget that It was a stressful experience To put it lightly And uh, there was some Foul language used in the office That <laughs> should never have been used um, But look It's hard to know What Munster really at the moment I suppose Until we get a gauge Of what the new coaching ticket Are going to deliver 
because there has been obviously a lot of change um, at Munster with Johan van Grand departing, uh, obviously losing his forwards coach and JP Ferreira and Stephen Larkham heading back to Australia. So now Graham Rountree gets his first taste as a head coach, which is a, a learning everyday experience. And I don't sure. doubt he's, he's done an awful lot, I'd imagine, up to this point and the players are on a week off at the moment. So a bit of a rest week for, for most of the Munster crew. Um, by all accounts, from anyone I've spoken to, any I've heard, Rountree is hugely respected by the squad and that the players were very, very happy to see him get the gig because he'd, he'd shown on the train ground what he was all about. And like, I remember even watching him on the Lions docks, I think it was 2004, I can't remember rightly. And it was just after he finished up playing and he was straight in as a coach in the Lions tour. But to say he was involved in the training is an understatement, like utterly dug into it, you know, really, really ingrained and it's all he knows it's all he knows how how many years decades upon decades he's been at this now you know and as a player as a coach he's he's bringing real calibre you know and and, and he won't want to be going in there just to to say I'm here just to be a part of it he's going to want to go in there and actually just achieve something and especially with what we witnessed in Sidon here last year yeah yeah. a lot of people still licking their wounds after that and believing you know what on another day things could have gone our way there and I think as, as I, even though it was the loss I think Munster can take a lot from that and yeah. generate forward I mean obviously it's an unknown variable with the coaching system as you said but it's yeah. exciting nonetheless it is you have to remember it all the time that like Munster haven't won a trophy since 2011 like the last thing they won was the Magnus League <laughs> the Ma- the Magnus League they, it's crazy how like, long it's gone isn't it like it's madness when you think about it and, and like, that comes with the dominance obviously of Leinster and then Ulster had their period in between as well and you had Connacht having there one year too and that that's all to be considered but from where they are now especially in Europe like it's a tournament that Munster fans and indeed players do they they love playing in Europe it's the weekends away the huge Munster travelling contingent and all goes with that there's a couple of things that are maybe unknown at the moment we know R.G. Snyman is returning from injury we have not yet got a look at R.G. Snyman I think he's played six minutes for Munster in total it's been unfortunate two torn yeah. ACLs I think it's about five six minutes on the pitch like unfortunate is just it's, it's nowhere near close after what that man's gone through unfortunately but he's staying around Dialende has lost but now you've Malachi Fekitoa coming into Munster what kind of an impact is he going to have at his age and also look as I mentioned Snyman we have of course here in Waterford like Jack Dunham who was, who was uh, captain Munster on so many occasions this year we also have another promising second row coming in who came through Waterpark and Ono O'Connor. but the one that I'm really really interested in of course and most people are is Thomas Ahern mm. who is starting to bulk up he's starting to come of age a second row of himself and R.D. Snyman two big able footballing second rows who can handle a ball and who can Athletic. pass. Yes. Athletic. Yeah. That'll be interesting to see what happens there. And also then, you have your battle for 10. Like, is this going to be the year that Joey Carberry finally gets his boots on and makes a push back? Because the World Cup in Japan really ruined him. He was brought over there injured and he shouldn't have been and it's really, really hampered him. He's never been the same since. Can this be the year that Joey Carberry kind of says, right, I'm, I am the next Johnny Sexton to mind you, Harry Bourne and the lads. It's me and it's always been me. Or is this going to be the year that kind of tells you the opposite? No, it, it wasn't you, Joey. I'm sorry. So there's a lot at stake for Munster this year in that sense. and There look. is, there is. And, and and it goes upon what you were touching on with bringing a 37-year-old wrapping him in cotton wool. This is the man that we're looking at and he should be gnawing at the bit to get there. Yeah. I think coaching staff behind the scenes on the pitch, Munster is probably an unknown variable this year. Yeah. But the excitement behind that is going to be palpable. Yeah. It's been great talking to you today, my friend. Same, thanks a million. Sports Beat with John Kennedy Motors, Cashel Road, Clonmel. You'll never take a wrong turn with Toyota. View our full range of cars at johnkennedymotors.ie. That's it for this week's show. As always, you can reach me via email on sport at beat102103.com and I'll happily get back to you. 
Dean is up next with Beat Anthems, but before that, if you're part of a sporting club or society in the region, we've got something very special for you. Club Focus with Eco Solar Energy, the solar experts you can rely on. Make the cleaner choice. EcoSolarEnergy.ie. How do you fancy winning a grand for your club? Club Focus is back, and each month I'll visit a club in the region, give them a chance to take their place in the limelight, featuring on air, online, and across our socials. At the end of 12 months, one lucky club will bag €1,000. The winning club will be chosen through a public vote, so why not use the opportunity to attract new members? Club Focus is part of Beat's ongoing commitment to support the work that local clubs do while celebrating the positive impact that they have on local communities. If you want to get your club involved, simply head to beat102103.com forward slash club focus to apply now.